Welcome to Opinion Havers, a movie podcast for Smiths fans. I'm Cody. And I'm Tyler. Tyler, what's your favorite Smiths song? The Smiths? What's your favorite song? Um, Caroline, or other name of a woman. You're gonna look me in the eye and say there's a band called The Smiths, and the name of a woman is not a name of one of their songs? Look, I'm fairly familiar with The Smiths' discography. I'm not sure they have any songs about lady names. Hmm. 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 I'm going to look it up right now. Please do. What did we watch while I do that, Cody? We watched Bumblebee, which is empirically the worst Transformers movie for one reason and one reason alone. It does not open the movie with the cool Transformer noises. I think this is the first movie they didn't do it. And uh, I don't know. Did you feel betrayed? Yeah. I felt hurt. It, uh, it's a blow. It's a blow to take. Yeah. Talk to me about the Smiths. Um, so far I've found there is a name of one. Uh, there's several that reference girls. Okay. But that it says girl, not like girlfriend, girl or something, you know. I, I, I'm already past that list. I'm onto a different list. Yeah. So tell me about Bumblebee. What are your, I mean, you know, do you, do you want to kind of give us a little rundown? A brief synopsis of the movie? Yeah, so it's, you know, it's Bumblebee. It's his story. It's his adventures. It's his stuff. He's there. They're there on Cybertron doing stuff. It mm-hmm. really looks low budget animation, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like somewhere in between the other Transformers movies and like the Netflix show. Mm. In it, so it's it's interesting. It is an interesting take, right? Um, you know, they're transforming, they're doing stuff. Then Bumblebee comes to Earth, and the rest of the movie happens. What? Looking at me? That is a very good summation of the movie. Here's what we did learn. We mm. learn what? Who's the person who directed this movie? Knight something Knight. Right? Travis Knight. Travis Knight. I know. I should have known that because I keep. In my head, for some reason, saying Travis Scott directed the movie, and I was like, "Can you imagine, Cody? Is there anything he can't do?" I mean, he can make a meal at McDonald's. I know that he got a PlayStation Four con- or Five controller early. He what? How did he do that? Because he's Travis Scott. Not even Miyamoto can get. Wait, Miyamoto is Miyamoto the Nintendo. I'm the video game person. I don't know why I'm asking you. There's Miyazaki. No. There's Miyamoto. Isn't Miyamoto the chef one? No. And then there's like three Miyazakis that do... Because there's the Hayao Miyazaki, there's a Nintendo Miyazaki, and then there's uh, there's another Miyazaki too. There's a lot of Miyazakis. Yeah. Right? Yes. Miyamoto... What's that? No. Miyazaki's the Smash Bros. guy, I think. Miyamoto... Miyamoto, I think, is the ten, is Nint- the guy who designed Nin- uh, Mario. He has passed, I think. What's the name of the guy who voice acts Mario? Jeff. Yeah. What's the head of PlayStation's name? Who knows? Anyway, uh, he can't even get one. That was the point. It's gone on too long, Cody. We've strayed too far from Travis Scott. That's what's important. Oh, yeah. Travis Knight, I remember. So, Tyler, what were your first impressions of this movie, aside from the animation style? So, finishing, I guess, what I was going to say. My first impression was we learned either Travis Knight or Michael Bay is a liar. Because this this hypothesizes cody Mm -hmm. 
as a possible history of the very real Transformers that are absolutely made up, right? Mm-hmm. That Bumblebee comes to Earth in 1987 mm-hmm. when Michael Bay, using his Bayhem camera, mm-hmm. posed that Bumblebee was fighting in World War II. All right. Which now. I've done my research and with at least a 75% level of confidence, I can confirm that World War II happened before 1987. Okay. Here's a question for you. You're fighting in World War II. Right. Who would you rather have on your team? Hellboy or B-127? Bumblebee. You've got a unit, supernatural unit of whatever. You've got a super fighter to come with you. Hellboy, Bumblebee. Who are you picking? Are you asking if I want Bumblebee or B-127? I'm just saying Bumblebee. Oh, Bumblebee's a wiener. You're saying B-127 is a good compliment to your unit. Yeah. Bumblebee is like a dorky teenager. It's not going to help that much. All right, B-127 versus Hellboy. Well, as we all know, during World War II, Hellboy was a child. So I guess I'll go with B-127. Okay, good choice. Because Hellboy was found... In World War II. During World War II. You're right. He came through a portal to hell. We're not talking about canon here. Obviously, canon's been blown out of the water. Bumblebee both has and hasn't landed on Earth in time for World War II, depending on who you ask. If you ask Travis Scott, he'll probably say, I didn't see that movie. You know? Do you think Travis Scott didn't see this movie? I don't know. How dare you? I don't know. Here's the thing, Cody. Hmm. Who is Travis Scott? (laughs) (laughs) Travis Scott is... A rapper. That's the end of what I know about him. (laughs) (laughs) He's a rapper who, for some reason, had a meal at McDonald's. A celebrity-endorsed meal. I listened to a podcast yesterday where they described him as an entertainment mogul. That everything he touches turns to gold. I thought he was just a moderately successful rapper. No. You can't touch something without it turning into gold. This is inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a real problem. He's got to wear specialized gloves. Like Elsa. Mm-hmm. Travis Scott is basically an African-American Elsa. Here's the thing. I Some... want him and Adina Menzel to collab on a track for oh. the next Frozen movie. Oh, you mean Adele Nazim? Adele Nazim. Idi Amin. Idi Amin. <laughs> Travis Scott. Let's get, a, let's get Frozen 3 soundtrack going. Here's my impression of the movie. Yeah. I like this movie a lot. I have seen this movie before. This was your maiden voyage for this film. It was your first time, and I feel bad for you for that reason. Because I think this is a pretty good movie. Big fan of the director. I like the writer. I like Haley. Uh, you know, it's a good movie. I liked it. I think more people need to have seen it. You know, I think if as many people saw this as had seen Transformers 5, then the world would be a better place, and Travis Scott would... Uh, Travis Knight would have more movies to direct. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. Is that your opinion? I have that opinion. Well, I mean, what more is there to say? Nothing? No, there's a lot more to say. I just can't say it until we've arrived in Spoiler Town. Oh, that's what you want? You want to just, you want to, are you trying, you just want to get into it, you know? You know, I'm out here, I'm trying to have the foreplay, and you're just like, no, let's get your pants off. Yeah. Right exactly. now. Exactly. That's where I'm at. This podcast is not some kind of some 
piece of meat. <laughs> this podcast will do whatever I want it to do. That's how it works. Fine. Get it. Get in the 67 Corvette. What was it? What was the Corvette? 1917 Corvette. What I don't know what year that Corvette body style is. Oh, yeah. That was a, it's a weird one. Uh, get, anyway, whatever body, get in it. You know, let's get in it. Let's. Did you I'm, know that they make Corvettes in Bowling Green, Kentucky? Did you I, know that? Yes. Did you know that in the summer they have like a Corvette reunion and like five billion Corvette owners descend upon Bowling Green? Mm-hmm. It's so weird because you're in Bowling Green, you're like, this is a normal day. I'm going to go outside. And then like every third car is a Corvette. Yeah. It's a weird day. Did you know that though? Because it sounds there. like you didn't. I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah. Okay. What is it? 1959 about- Corvette. 59? 59. 59. So close. So close. What is it about this movie that like there were six film companies that worked on it? Did you notice that? When well, the movie started, there were like six film logos that popped up for so production companies. This one has Hasbro has their Transformers studio that isn't actually involved. It's just kind of like intellectual property. Yeah, it's like they own it. They're involved in that. They everything I think has to be run Got by the them. Brand on it. Tencent is on there because they are on there whenever they fund a movie but they're not they are very hands-off for the most part as far as i know that's why they're successful right is they just here's a billion dollars to do the thing yeah and then they hope that they get the billion back um and then there's paramount right which actually made it it published it okay and then what else we got we had bayhem productions it wasn't bayhem but i could tell i it was michael bay it was his film per thing because he's an executive producer. I wouldn't let wouldn't let it go. So, really, it's because Hasbro decided to make a movie studio. Tencent invested in this one, and they've started putting their logo in front of movies. And Michael Bay, as an executive producer, probably demanded that his studio be on there. Well, you can't use the Bayham unless uh, Michael Bay. How much of the film was on the Bayham? That's what I want to know. These are the facts. You're the well, one with the fun facts. You know, I've heard it was shot on a taller aspect ratio than other films, so probably not much. Look, you're trying to tell me that he couldn't get two separate custom Bayham cameras? <laughs> that is an 8K camera that says Bayham on the that side. That means it has ran eight kilometers before. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm gonna. This is a PSA to all of the the red camera people that listen to our podcast to michael bay who i know is an avid listener why is the word bayhem just in block letters does michael bay not understand his brand you know what it should look like it should be the letters that are block letters but they're all they got like the cracks running through them yeah or there should be an explosion thing behind it like put some effort into it have some pride in your craft you know what i mean i don't know what he's doing I just know he's not doing it enough. Yeah. You know, more effort, more extra. That's what I expect. Yeah. By the way, when I looked up Bumblebee Corvette, so many Camaros came up. So many Camaros. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I've really lost a Here's lot of faith in people. Here's what I need you to do. People. I need you to go to a car dealership and be like, look, I need the Corvette from Bumblebee. And every time he tries to show you a Corvette, be like, no, 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 that's not what it looked like. And just describe a Camaro without using the word Camaro. Like, I need the Bumblebee Corvette. That's what I need you to do. Yeah. 
I do have to go get my work car soon. Ooh, okay. All right. So, I mean, so I mean, what what's the budget? What's what can you get away with? Um, they told me right uh, to stick around 35 grand. Uh, so all right, let me give you some advice. And this is from someone who has never had a company car, but does own a car worth roughly $4,000. Right. You go. You get yourself a Subaru Outback. Let you, me stop you, you right You invest there. about $300 in magnets and stickers, just about your personal views and kind of funny quips, wordplay about, you know, like your pets or... Like maybe you go hiking or maybe you're, maybe you're like a Democrat or a communist and you put that all over the back of your car. Um, and then you go move to uh, Portland. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe you make some friends that are lesbians and they're like, Hey, this is a great car. I've got one too. You can compare, you can trade bumper stickers, trade war stories. Is this drink a cup of coffee because it's cloudy outside? Get a nose ring? Like what? <laughs> Is this sounding good? Or I'm you're being really quiet. Was it the? I mean, the go only, take a hike in Multnomah Falls. I don't. The only problem is get a voodoo donut. It has to be an American car, not American made, because that would be like a Nissan or a Toyota, right? I'm talking <laughs> an American brand. Wait, so that so you can spend thirty five thousand dollars, and it has to be American. Yeah. Well, then it sounds like we're doing, it sounds like we're doing a Camaro, right? Right. I still recommend spending at least $300 on bumper stickers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Why does it, wait, why does it have to be American? Because somebody said that, I'm sure, to the vice president of the company once. There's like, Is it hey. because your company does all their work in the Midwest and there's bleeding heart Americans that would be furious if they saw you come to their plant in a... Yeah, but I've got to get a truck, truck, and I think if I rolled up with a Tundra, oh, all of them would be more jealous than, like, you gosh dang communist douche. Okay, so you're getting a truck. Yes. There's two routes you can go. Look. The Jeep Gladiator? Get... Yes. <laughs> what is it? Is it a Wrangler with a truck bed? Not, like, instead of the back, but attached to the Here's back? The yes. <laughs> you can get, like, a cheap Silverado. I haven't bought a truck in a long time or ever. Yeah. My dad did buy a truck. Okay. You can get like a really cheap Chevy Silverado, right? Right. Or, or, hear me out. You buy a Ford Ranger and you kid it out until it, until you hit the $35,000 price. I mean, I'm talking leather seats. I'm talking premium sound system. We're going to lift it, obviously. Custom paint job, custom paint color, like that. Get the cheapest truck you can, and then make it a $35,000 truck. Yeah. Don't forget, you got to leave room in your budget for... Bumper stickers. Bumper stickers. Yeah. I don't know if they'll pay for... They won't... They have to, You have to argue with them to get them to pay for the truck bed liner, which... <sighs> they're like, you can buy that if you want to one of the guys. And I'm like, I'm not going to put a truck bed liner on your truck. For a truck, yeah, that isn't yours. Okay. <clears throat> Back to the movie. Yeah. The first time I saw this in theaters, because I'm a Travis Knight fan. But what about Travis Scott? I mean, who isn't? How could you not be? You're right. What song has Travis Scott done? <laughs> I, I, was ba I was fairly certain he was a rapper, but I was not sure. So I don't know. All right. Let's just... Uh, the first time I saw this movie, 
I thought the same thing. I was like, you know what? I haven't seen a Transformers movie since Transformers 1, but I don't think the Transformers in action and everything looked as good as the, trans- the Michael Bay Transformers movies, right? Yeah. I have since, in the last month, watched every Transformers movie. Now, coming back to Bumblebee, I realize I was wrong. This movie, the Transformers look better than the other movies. I will grant you it is a different style. I think they're like a little simpler. Basically, let's make live action versions of cartoon Transformers. I actually really liked the way they looked in this movie. Yeah. And I thought it worked very well. And I think, except for like the intro scene, most, most of the Transformers, like there's one, two, at the most three in a shot at a time. And it's much more one-on-one Transformers action. And let me tell you, I liked it a lot better than most of the action in the other movies. I know it's a hot take. I understand. I think it looked clean. It looked good. I was into it. Can you disagree with me? Kind of. I think it was obvious to me that they had a smaller budget for the CG. I think they used it very well. But it was obvious that they were like, all right, we have to like really pick and choose when we're going to show them transform and when they're going to like do a fight. Whereas the other ones, they were like, we basically have a blank check to have giant robots fight. Yeah. So let's do a story about a father and his daughter for an hour and then have them fight. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe that's what I liked about it. I think they pick and chose their battle. Like, I think they use their budget better than some of the other Transformers movies did. Yeah. For that reason. I don't know. I, I just thought there wasn't a scene in this movie where I was like, ugh, they didn't have time to finish that one. You know, like, like we had that experience in the second Transformers movie where, like, the last scene is like, this is not working. Like, this lighting plus whatever these guys are doing, Optimus Prime doesn't look good. I didn't have that in this movie at all. I thought every shot worked for the Transformers. Yeah. Which I think is a better... I would rather have a lower-budget movie that uses it all well than a movie with twice the budget that... You're just like, you didn't do it right, but you had so much budget. I mean, you're right. There's definitely, you know. Here's the thing. We talked about Travis Scott. Everything touched turned to gold. I realized why. The song everyone knows from him is Sicko Mode, which is not a good song, but is a meme. Number two, I'm pretty sure he dated Kylie Jenner. And that's probably why she's the youngest billionaire ever. Which isn't that like absolutely not true? No, I think... I think what people have said is she's the youngest self-made billionaire ever. People are like, she's from a super rich family, so how does that make you self-made? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Cody, the the top... Here's the thing. A fully kitted out Ford Ranger, we're yeah. talking $40,000. Oof, darn. But that's like with everything. Yeah. Also, Ford has already tried to call me once. <laughs> See, so... That's your that's your fault for going onto websites. Yeah, and that's just how it works. It's like we're we're like not house shopping, but we're gonna be buying a house soon. And so I look at houses all the time. Worst experience is when it pops up with that automated chat window, and it's like, "Hey there, I noticed you were looking at this house. Can I help you?" You're like, "No, please no." I feel so preyed upon, you know? Yeah. Mm. Well, you can thank the Decepticons. So for wait. the internet. So you're not getting a Ford Ranger? Probably not. Here's the thing. The Ford Rangers, I like them. I rode in one once, but Cody, I'm a big boy. Oh, uh, okay. 
And it's not. And that's a small man's truck. Yeah. Okay. All right. You have to have a small body and a giant wiener. <laughs> okay. And I've got a big body. <laughs> and and so I can't do the Ford Ranger. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. Here's the other problem with this movie. All right. There's two conflicting viewpoints that are happening. Right. Travis Knight is like, hey, we're going to do like an origin story for Bumblebee, but it's really just a rebooting of the Transformer franchise. If this does well, we can make more movies. The other perspective from this movie is, hey, we're doing a fun prequel of all the other Transformers <laughs> Transformers movies. You enjoying that sweet chart rope? Don't draw attention to it. <laughs> just because I'm being real Yeah, I am. They're pretty good. Can you tell you? The other view is, no, this is like a direct sequel. We're going to have all these fun Easter eggs into the Transformers universe. But as you pointed out, it fails in both ways because it's not fully its own thing, but it's also still has Easter eggs. I know that they did take out some Easter eggs. Like there's going to be an ending scene that was like directly ties it to uh, Sam Witwicky or whatever. You know, where it's like, oh, yeah, see this obvious parallel where this is how Bumblebee gets there, but... The director's like, well, if you haven't seen those movies, it's not a fun scene to end the movie on. Like, you don't want to just have that in there because if you haven't seen it, it's not fun. But they did leave in some Easter eggs. So okay. I don't know. I, I struggle. I struggle. Let me stop you right there, Mr. Travis Knight. You think for one second somebody's going to go see Bumblebee and they haven't seen at least the first Transformers Here, movie? Here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that they have... I think they kind of tried to cater this to a little bit different audience. Because they even said part of the reason they did Bumblebee as a, as a Volkswagen Beetle was because they kind of wanted to get away from the this is an action movie vibe. Yeah. So they're like, okay, it's not a Camaro. It's a Volkswagen Beetle. It's a different thing. It's still a Transformers thing, but it's not. I think they're kind of like, oh, Transformers 1987 cartoon versus this is Michael Bay doing an action movie based around Transformers stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, there's conflicting messages. I really like this movie, though, and I wanted to make more. Here's the thing. This is going to break your heart. I haven't said much because I've been pressing out of Ford Ranger. All right. I didn't like this movie as much as I thought I would. No, Tyler. I liked it, but I thought it had just as much, like, bad, eye-rolly garbage that it did all not the other have, ones. Stop. Yeah. It didn't have as much. It had barely any. I thought it was an hour shorter. Than the other ones. Okay. And I think that's why it's better. <laughs> it's just better because it's shorter? Well, I think if you had stretched the... If you had put in another hour of this story, it would have been... Ended up just as like, oh my gosh, just... I disagree. I, I think you're very wrong. I think <laughs> we need to go back and watch the second Transformers movie and like <laughs> rethink... Remember all the terrible sexual innuendos everywhere? Yeah, but I'm mostly comparing it to like... One or three, mostly one. Like that's the two I'm comparing here. But even here. like, even one, three, even like the ones we enjoyed more in the series versus the ones we enjoyed less. Those ones are still like the plot is just everywhere, and this one has a plot that's actually like you can wrap your head around and kind of make sense as a story. Yeah, I mean, I think th like like that's what I'm saying. I think this is what those could have been had there been like. One person that wrote the story. But it's not like another tier of goodness. Yeah, I don't think it's like when you compare this, like... Ooh, ooh. You better say Star Wars? I was going to say, like, the second, like, the Attack of the Clones, which I think is most people's least favorite Star Wars prequel. Sure. Right? Yeah. To, like, 
Seven, right? Well, I think everyone's least favorite Star Wars prequel is like everything from episode one leading up to the Darth Maul fight. But I think on average, Darth Maul fight makes one a good movie, whereas two doesn't have quite have that scene that saves. But they it. roll around in the field. I mean, that we're going to watch these movies soon, I know. and it's going to be a trip for me. I hate the second one more than you hate the worst Transformers. I tell you that right now. <laughs> okay. I love Star Wars, and I watch them all, and I watch them all a hundred times. Yeah. I hate that movie. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited and terrified to revisit it. Okay. I'm, this is a good movie, is what I'm saying. It's a good movie. And that's the thing, with the conflicting messages, right? Of, is, what is this? Is it a prequel? Is it a reboot? Because even in the beginning, Optimus Prime, when they're having the initial fight, Optimus Prime is like, Earth, it's a well-hidden planet. B-127, you gotta go, you gotta save it. Or you gotta, like, we're gonna wait for us, we'll establish a base, whatever. And immediately as he says that, I'm like, all these Transformer movies about how the Transformers have been all over this planet for a long time. Yeah. In all sorts of different ways. But, but if it's a reboot, then it's like, no, they haven't been to Earth yet. This yeah. is a new thing. And it's kind of like what you were saying where this is supposed to be, we're now making the cartoon from the 80s into movies. Where, yeah. you know, the 80s was when the war, they are leaving, they fled Cybertron and arrived on Earth in the 80s. Yeah. And now they're here. And then it's like one or two Decepticons arriving at a time. and. Them having to deal with that. And it's them be bopping around with little kids on scooters, Cody. On future scooters. On Cybertonian. As they dubbed it in the second Transformers movie. Yeah. Cybertonian uh, scooters. But they started with regular scooters. And then Optimus is like, check these out. I like Bumblebee in this movie. I like that they show... I think they've shown it in a couple things. Like the Transformer interface where like you do the point of view of the transformer yeah but i really like how they did it in this one because bumblebee it's like a little beehive the hexagons you know yeah it was cool i liked it yeah i liked it i liked how they went back to what was it what it was like two and three where they tried to make the transformers a little brighter like their colors pop a little yeah. more yeah um or was it the first one that they popped more than and then they went all like well, Dirty and grimy. Optimus Prime really popped in the second one. Second I feel one, like. Yeah. That's the one where we're like, oh, you made him real bright. I mean, the, he was pretty bright in the first one, then I think they went too far, then they pack battled. But I like that. I like it when it's like they pop, when they're shiny and clean and they're popping bright, and it's you don't like it. You don't think it looks good. I also don't think it looks good as far as like, it doesn't look like there's really a Transformer there. Yeah. But I think as far as like, it looking like a Transformer should, in my mind, well, it did you know what i mean yeah like when they were bright and shiny and it's like they just cranked the saturation up on just the transformers yeah um because even the uh the two decepticons that come mm-hmm. like they were always pretty like popping i think it was funny that those ones when they came in they were both flying as jets and then they transformed into cars and then they transformed into the humanoid yeah. So they could run up. I was like, that was a little excessive, oh, I think. I it looks like, so cool, though. I like the amount of Transformer. Like, there's even, like, in one of the action sequences, they do, like, the Transformer tackle, where it's like, I'm a car, I'm going to transform and do a tackle as I'm driving, you know? Yeah. As I liked that part of the movie. When, when that first Decepticon transforms from a jet to, like, he, I think he's doing, like, a punch with yeah. the force of the jet behind it. Yeah. So he transforms and punches B in the face. Yeah. That is the best transforming animation I've seen. Yeah. It looks so good. 
That's what I'm saying. There's some, I don't know. And I think the humor in all the movies, this one's my favorite. And I think it's the most consistent. Yeah. Whereas some of the other ones, you're like, they might have had a couple higher moments where it's like, oh, that was a better joke. But on a whole, I think the humor was more consistent and a little bit better than the average Transformers joke from one through five. Yeah. Um, okay, so B crashes into Earth. John Cena's there doing a little drill. Yeah. With his team or something, and his friends gets caught in the thing, and he shoots a bunch of time with the paintball. Yeah. What do you think of John Cena in this? I think he. <clears throat> Here's the thing. I said this after we watched it. I actually, I really like John Cena. I think he has this reputation of being this cheesy bad actor, but so I always go into movies thinking, "Oh, this is gonna be bad," but he's always good. Yeah. He's a good actor. That's why he was a good wrestler. Right. But he's always struck me as the kind of guy who. He looks at like what The Rock does and seems like and is like I don't want to do that like I don't want to go through what that guy goes through mm-hmm. to get where he is. Yeah. So he's like the same level like he could do the same stuff that The Rock does. He could be that jacked, he could be that successful, but he's like I'm really happy where I am. So he does like 20%. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean I I think he was pretty good. I might have cast it a little differently, but I think he definitely did good enough. Yeah, I think also for the age demographic, that's the other thing that he's done is, yeah. I think, you know, when we were little kids, that's when he was starting to get more into acting. I don't know if you remember, you saw him like on the Kids' Choice Awards and stuff. Yeah. That's when he started to do it, and he's really just stuck in that. Like, that's where he likes to sit, mm-hmm. it seems like, in those movies. Yeah. I, I did think it was kind so, of funny. So they land in there, and he's like, chase that thing down, he gets everyone... They have Humvees with harpoons on them just ready to go. What's that? What are those for? I, what are they harpooning with their Hummers? Well, I've seen those in other movies to harpoon other cars. So I, I don't know if they would necessarily have had those at the ready. And it's not just they had one. They had like six. They yeah. had all these cars with big old harpoons on them. I was confused. Yeah. I Those are always confusing in movies. I'm like... Are you having a harpoon stuff? Are you fishing on land somehow? Yeah. I don't know why you would have a ton of them. Because, I mean, it, they never seem like they were like... It never seems realistic that those are there. Yeah. Even if it is like a totally grounded action movie where they're like, oh yeah, we're going to just... We're harpooning a car or a helicopter or something. It's like, do you have to harpoon a helicopter or a car that often that it's worth making a Humvee mm-hmm. designed to do it? Mm-hmm. Apparently. I guess so. Also, it was it just me, or did it really seem like that uh, the leader of the other squad um, was going to be in the movie more than just this first thing? They really did kind of set them up. Like, we've got a friendship. We go way back. We got, we're rivals in these drills. You know, we have fun. Yeah. And he <laughs> shot him a bunch. anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. I did like the joke where he kept shooting him. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. It's good. It's, I like it. I like it for B's origin story. And then, boom, smash cut to Haley Steinfeld listening to The Smiths. Yeah. It's a cool movie. Here's the thing about The Smiths. I don't know how popular they were in the 80s, but I know that today they are a rallying cry for obnoxious hipsters. Yeah. Look, I own a Smiths record on vinyl, and I, I understand the implication. Here's the thing. They're cool. They're cool in the way we're like, if you listen to The Smiths, you were not cool in the 80s. Or it's like, you were cool, but everyone hated you. You were that kind of cool, where it's like, you're a cool person, you're just a nerd and no one likes you. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. 
there are multiple Smith songs in this, which is just great for me personally. Yeah. This movie really is like going back to the movies from maybe 10 years ago. And I feel like that most have come away from this where it's like, it's in the 80s. That means everywhere is wearing leg warmers, mm-hmm. bright colors, and the Smiths. Yeah. And that's, it's, or like four other bands that, that were in the hard. 80s. It's one of those movies that does like the hard 80s references, yeah. which can be fun. But I think it also came to something like, because Stranger, Thing, Stranger Things had their season where they were so hard about like New Coke and this, and we're referencing all the 80s things. It can be fun, but it can also be kind of exhausting. We're like, you could have just said it in the 80s, you know? So I don't know. Maybe they were trying to play for like, oh, kids will enjoy this because it's about Bumblebee, and adults will enjoy it, taking their kids to it because 80s throwbacks. Yeah. I don't know. I, don't, Cause I didn't mind it at all. Yeah. But they do. I mean, you know, it's like Alf is in here and look, we've <laughs> got all the movie posters and the music. They referenced Alf at least three different times. Oh, yeah, they did. Which I was like, I get that Alf was the thing in the 80s. It seemed, from what I know of 80s movies about the 80s, the 80s was Alf and Alf was the 80s. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't have the 80s without Alf. That's true. That's true. I, I mean, have <clears throat> I ever seen Alf? No, but I've seen it. I've seen posters of Alf, and I've seen it for sale on uh, discs and cassette tapes. I mean, the real question is, what is Alf, Cody? Who is Alf? I know he's an alien. You know? I know he eats cats. Was he a talk show host? I believe so. Okay. I get him and the Muppet that's also an alien mixed up. Gonzo. Gonzo. Yeah. In my mind, they're the same thing. They look nothing alike and have never really been that connected, but they're the same thing. They are kind of similar, you know, because they are puppets from outer space and they're kind of just like... No, no. Gonzo is a Muppet. Gonzo is from outer space and there's a movie about it. What? Yeah. He's an alien. He has no bones in his nose. Yeah. Of course, neither do we, but, you know, (laughs) you can bend his. Yeah, you sure can. They do it in the movie. They do. What's your favorite Muppet movie? What's the really hardcore one that they <laughs> came up with recently? Where the, it was like, you know what I'm talking about? The, the guy, okay, so... Is his son made it or his something? His son, who made all the... Who worked with him on the... Brian Henson, who worked on the Muppets from like the 90s on, left Muppets behind and was like, I'm going to do an R-rated comedy with yeah. Muppet-like things. That's, that's the one you're picking? Yeah. I um, want a Canon Muppet movie. Oh. Um, baby Did you Muppets. watch that one? No. <laughs> I wanted to, though. Um, the one where... Go- the, what's the one with Gonzo and... Muppets in Space, I Muppets think. in Space, maybe? That yes. Sounds right. That's a good one. I like that one. I'm, I'm always torn. I really like Muppet Treasure Island. But <gasps> that is a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. And I really like Muppet Christmas Carol, which I think is the best adaptation of Christmas Carol. You're right, it is. It's very good. Can I change my answer to Christmas Carol? Michael Caine sings a song in it. Yeah. It's delightful. Is it Michael Caine plays Scrooge, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah, does. Okay. And he like... sings. Yeah. It's great. Okay. But here's a quick... Can I... Yeah. On, tacked can. onto that, my favorite Christmas Carol movie is Hot Rod. <laughs> because Ebenezer Scrooge is in it. He is He's in, in it. two shots. Yeah. Yeah. A, a cooked goose. Cooked goose for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Uh, where do you stand on the Die Hard is a Christmas movie? I mean, I'll answer that by asking if, you, where do you stand on it? I guess here's what I'm saying. If you're saying Hot Rod is a Christmas movie, then 
Die Hard has to be. I am all for Die Hard being a Christmas movie because I'm a person who loves joy in life. Yeah. Where do you stand? I, uh, I, sa- I usually say that it is because uh, the people who are very anti it being a Christmas movie are usually the kind of people that I want to annoy. The thing is, if they, it's one of those things like if they weren't so vocal about it, no one would push the issue. Exactly. But they are, and so now it's become a partisan issue. So is this a Christmas movie? Bumblebee. Isn't that, um, I'm racking my brain here. I've seen it twice. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it takes place in the summer in uh, the Bay Area, and so, there's no references to Christmas. Is that so, right? So you are going on record as coming out as a denier of Bumblebee Christmas movie. Yes, I'm on. Yes, I will. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. Are you about a? You about to oppose me? No, I just wanted on record that you oppose the idea. When I, when I run for office, this is going to come back to haunt me. It is, yeah. I have to purge the records. Make sure it does. There were about two seconds in my life when I thought Janine Garofalo was in this movie, and I got very confused and a little bit excited. I was not correct. It is simply a woman who vaguely looks like Janine Garofalo for about three seconds. Until you see how short she is. Right. And she's in the movie Grease 2. And her name is Pamela Adlon. Oh. And that's all I know about her. But what are your feelings on Grease 2? <clears throat> I married a woman who is very passionate about Grease 2 being a wonderful thing. And I have only heard a couple songs from the soundtrack. And I am of the opinion that it is a bad thing. And I know there will come a point in my life where I have to watch it and hold my tongue and pretend like it isn't. So I guess you could say I'm afraid of Grease too. Cody, I feel... Here's the thing. I feel very close to you right now. <laughs> I feel like we're... Through this mutual struggle, we've, we're, we have bonded ourselves, our souls. Okay. I also married a woman. <laughs> After... Who, it only took 100, 115 episodes. Yeah. But here we are. Yeah. We've bonded. We've bonded. <laughs> you share the same story. Yeah, have you seen it? No, but I know. But you know it's coming. Yes. And you don't know when it's coming. No. And it's terrible. I have more than I have already like wriggled my way out of it oh, more than once. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> me too. It was one of those things where I was like, Oh, let's see if it's on anything. Oh, it's not streaming anywhere. Oh thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh thank goodness. Yeah. Oh. But see here we also both married women who love bad old movies <laughs> it's one of those things where, like i think everyone loves old bad movies like movies from your childhood that were terrible but you love them because you were young and you were just like it's a movie i like it and i think like 20 percent of the population hit the point where they're like my tastes have developed and these are bad things i now know there's 40 percent of the population who's like just never comes to that realization but doesn't hold on to the nostalgia. Yeah. And then there's everyone else. And they will never let go. <laughs> no matter, you know, it doesn't matter if you rewatch them and, and you're like, see, these are bad. It's like, no, I love it still. And it's important to me. Yeah. And how dare you try to say it's bad? Yeah. Here's the thing I was a boy once. Two of my favorite movies in like first, second grade, Small Soldiers. Yeah, yeah. With Phil Hartman, who I 
only knew as the dad <laughs> from Small Soldiers. No idea he was like an acclaimed comedian and impressionist. Yeah. In Mortal Kombat. Yeah. One and Annihilation. Did you know they're rebooting that? Yeah. Are you excited? And we're going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I understand it. Yeah. But I don't, you know. But here's the real question. Do you think this movie, mm. Bumblebee, yeah. will be that for people? Or do you think it will stand the test of time? I think we'll stand the test of time as a good family movie. I don't think oh, it's going to be... I don't think people will like it as much as I do. But I think this movie will stand the test of time because I think it's a good story. I think they did a really good job for their budget with what was there. And it was. I think it was good. I liked it. Yeah. I think I enjoyed it more than some. But I think it's the kind of thing that most people can agree is a good, enjoyable film. So... Are you of the opinion that this is an on another level than the other ones could have been? I'm not saying then what they are. I'm saying like if you gave those five Transformers movies and gave them to a good writer and a good editor, and there was one writer and one editor, and Michael Bay was not there, but filmed the same way and everything with the same people cast, but you can retouch up some of the stuff. If it was written by one person... Which they could have been. I've never actually looked at the writers of all the other movies. I don't know if they had a bunch of writers or if it was just They one. did. They okay. did have a bunch of writers. Yeah. They were movies made by committee. I just think as soon as Michael Bay directs it, it becomes a different beast. It becomes a big budget Michael Bay thing. Yeah. I think if it's out of his hands, it has potential. I think it does have the potential to be like this. Maybe, I mean, when you put it that way, I don't know that this is on another level. But I, 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 I guess you're right. You know, it's like, okay, in different hands, more controlled environment. I think this is Transformers 1, Shia LaBeouf stars in it, could have been at this level. Yeah. For sure. I don't think this is, like, out of reach of the other Transformers movies. Yeah. I mean, that's the most heartbreaking thing of it, right, for me. You know, it's that I'm, like, watching this thinking, like, I mean, this is You could have had five movies like this. This, yeah. I think even with Michael Bay and everybody, it's just, like, this could have been the level of quality they all were, yeah. where it's not the best movie you've seen all year, but it's like a good movie. You and don't it's... regret that. If someone asks you, like, oh, I would check it out for sure, you know? Yeah. That kind of recommendation. All right. Okay. I hear you. Yeah. I liked it. I liked how... I liked what he did. He was a beetle. Mm-hmm. I liked that he was small and scared. Yeah. I liked how smooth the transforming was, but they... They went back to like the original, like the Transformers one, which I still think of all five of the actual like numbered Transformers movies, the transforming and Transformers one holds up the best, holds up better than any of them mm-hmm. because you saw everything moving. And I remember watching like, I made mean, probably with special features or something like little documentaries or interviews or something with the, uh, animators where they talked about how like, yeah, like. It's not like in the later movies where there are, if you slowed it down and watched each part where a part will like slide back and then just disappear. Mm-hmm. But with theirs, they're like, no, everything, when they're, when Optimus is a person, every single component of the semi-truck is there in the shot. Yeah. And that, they went with that here. Yeah. Which and, I think looks better. You know, and maybe it was to their benefit that there's, except for the opening scene, there's three Transformers. Yeah. So I feel like they could really focus on the design of them instead of being like, all right, we've got three from the last movie. We're introducing four new Autobots. There's the two Decepticons from the last movie plus six new Decepticons. And you're like, oh, okay. That's a lot to track and a lot to make sure it all looks right. 
Yeah. Whereas when you only have three, it's like, hey, we've got a quarter of the Transformers and half the budget. So we can, you know, we've got the resources to really focus on these, make them look good. Yeah. And they like, yeah, like it just seemed, it looked like if I bought the toy for Bumblebee, because I'm sure they came out with a little bug toy yeah. for it around this time. It looked like he transformed similar to how the toy would transform. Yeah. Versus, you know. I mean, this is a Hasbro production. Yeah. Gotta think toy first, toy forward. Yeah. Can I, speaking of Hasbro productions. Please, yeah. (laughs) Tiffany and I were, you ever do the thing where you just flick through movies and you discuss like, oh yeah, I remember this movie, I liked it, or this one was trash, we should watch it sometime. You know, like those kinds of things. And you show each other trailers of movies that you liked. Sure. We landed on Battleship the movie. (laughs) Oh, the the Rihanna movie Battleship. Yeah, which yeah, Rihanna was in it. Uh, that guy who was in a bunch of movies for two years and then disappeared was in it. Okay. Liam Neeson plays an admiral in the U.S. Navy. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. That and, was his accent. Uh, what? Well, so he tries. He does his American accent, which is just him lessening his Scottish, right? Okay. Yeah. Or Irish bits of his accent, so he right. still has an Irish, or he still has a his accent, but it's less intense. To the point where I think they went back and wrote in a, move, a line about him transferring and like jumping from one navy to the other, which I think is possible. But mm. you could have just cast an American right. as the admiral. Uh, yeah, and you know how the alien ship shoots the pegs because it's is based on battleship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, at some point we're gonna play Battleship and watch. Uh, my the movie question Battleship. is like, where's the Rubik's Cube movie? Exactly. And is the Rubik's Cube gonna be the good guy or the bad guy? Yeah. It depends on whose hands it's in, you know. Yeah. It's like the mask or the Ring of Power. Mm-hmm. Haley Steinfeld's in this movie. She's the character. She wants a car. Her dad died, and uh, everyone seems fine with it but her. But which what... I don't know. I, I appreciated. The thing about Shia LaBeouf is he's trying to be the cool kid. Yeah. Where she was like, I'm afraid to want my car. I'm not over my dad being dead yet. And I was like, oh, that's better. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a better story point, you know, than Shia Love trying to be the cool kid. I liked it. It was like, oh, she's got a struggle and she is not cool like Shia LaBeouf. But she's also like, I think she's a little more realistically not cool. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf is like just neurotic at times. You're like, oh, that's why it's not cool because he can't, he can't keep his cool. Yeah. Like, he is cool. He has the cool stuff. His dad is, does something that makes him super rich. Yeah. What did you think of the stepdad? Ron? Ron. You know... And what? Is there a better generic stepdad name than Ron? There certainly isn't. Yeah. You're right about that. I mean, I, I thought he did a good job. I really, uh... You know, I love that he... Her <laughs> birthday gives him a book about smiling. It's like, well, no, when you smile... It releases endorphins. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, endorphins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was good. I mean, because, you know, everyone's, I mean, you know, I, I don't have a stepdad or a stepmom, but there's always the struggle there, right? When you're a step parent. Yeah. And especially when someone was so close with their dad. But he's like a goofy guy, and Otis seems cool with him. And, uh, you know, doesn't go well. Doesn't, Charlie, that's Haley Steinfeld, isn't into Ron. But I like that by the end of the movie, she's like, I like Ron. I'm going to be nice to Ron now. I thought yeah. that was a good journey to go on. Well, Ron showed that he could drive like a, like a cool guy. Yeah, he sure did. And that, that earns a lot of clout. Here's the thing, Cody. Yeah. 
This is what I believe this movie is. This movie is The Edge of Seventeen, but you replace Woody Harrelson with Bumblebee. Oh, it's funny you should say that. Uh, Haley Steinfeld said that the writer of Edge of Seventeen actually helped with a rewrite for this movie. So she actually helped in the writing process. Yeah. There you go. Good, good eye. Yeah. I, I liked that movie. Here's the thing. I like that movie better than this one. But I, I do think that, that was a better movie than this one. Yeah. But this was also a good movie. Yeah. That um, one had, uh, you know, was she comes in and says, she's like, I'm going to kill myself. And he's like, let me just, I'll just put down my sandwich. And then he goes on to complain about her. Yeah. <laughs> Interrupting his lunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This movie was also different writer. The main writing credit on this movie, I think, I mean, just has one writing credit, right? You don't always credit the rewriters, just depends on how, it, there's a whole thing about it. Written by Christina Hodson, who wrote Birds of Prey. Oh! And here's my problem with this whole thing. Edge of 17, great movie, lady writer-director, right? Right. Female star. Right. Bumblebee, good, the best Transformers movie, in my humble opinion, and I think Rotten Tomatoes will corroborate that. Female lead, female writer. Birds of Prey, my favorite DC movie so far. Female director and writer. Female main character. And no one watches these movies. There's, they have a smaller budget. They're better movies. And no one... They're getting like half the viewership, at least, of yeah. the other ones. But they're better movies. And it's what is it about like the writer and director having, a, having like the male parts of their genitals... That they just automatically get a way bigger audience. What is it? Are people afraid? Are people afraid? Are you afraid? Never afraid, Cody. Ever. So what's the problem? Because I have the male parts. You're... That's why I'm never afraid. Why didn't more people see this movie? Why don't more people see Edge of Seventeen? And why don't more people watch Birds of Prey? If I'm honest, I think more people did not see this movie because of Transformers Four. Because Transformers Four was the peak of the franchise. Yeah. This one. All, so you can see their success go. It go. It what was it? The sign, what, oh gosh, Cody, I haven't been in school for so long. Was it a sine wave that go? Is does the bell the bell curve? Don't talk to me about trigonometry. Cody. Don't bring that hate speech into. I don't want to do. Cody, tri- you are I don't currently do in school. You are I a college don't student. Want to? Okay, am I doing a math degree? No, I don't want to hear about it. All You're right, your the last math I did was matrix dumb. algebra and calculus, and I don't want to think about it. Anyway. It's so bad in trigonometry. <laughs> it was so long ago. Anyway, it's a bell curve, right? It goes up and down. This is just following the curve down. Where four was where it peaked, five did worse where it lost money. I guess Birds of Prey, the problem with Birds of Prey 2 is you can't reach as big of an As soon as you make your movie R-rated, it cuts out a lot of your audience. Yeah. And if all the other DC movies are PG-13, and then they're like Wolverine, which is like, okay. And then Birds of Prey is also the other art when you're like, well, it's not. I mean, Logan. Logan's the movie I'm thinking. You know, it's just, yeah. it's not the same thing. So, Yeah, I mean, there's also the fact that the DC movies, for the most part, are bad. And I think that's the thing. is You're looking at these two movies that are following okay, but, franchise of suck. And then you give it to a female writer and director, and they're good, and they do a good job. But then the movie can't succeed. Why can't we set up these movies for success somehow? I guess- because then they'd have to give more movies to them. That way they can look at this and say, look, it failed. Even though this one famously did much better than the previous Transformers movie. I just, and the other, like I said, the Rotten Tomatoes 
if you follow the trail of Rotten Tomatoes, it's like, look, these are the better movies. But can we get these loaded at the front instead of at the back? Where it's like, Michael Bay's had his way with this for five years, and it's on the downspin. So let's give it to a, a lady to kind of reboot. I mean, the writing, at least. You know, Travis Scott is a man, to my understanding. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly a penis haver. Yeah. Haley Steinfeld, look, she knows wrenches. That's the thing you have to understand, all right? She goes to the junkyard, and the guy's like, came with the three eights. She gives him the half. He's like, I said the three eights. And she's like, but I'm right. And then he's like, hmm, she did know the wrench. Classic. Yeah. She knows wrenches. Yeah. You don't. He doesn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. She do. Yeah. Turns out that guy who owns the junkyard, that's your uncle. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, yeah. She says uncle, but... I remember she gets my birthday, and then when he like, gave her the car, I was like, that's unrealistic. And then you're like, oh, that's the uncle. Oh, okay. Is it really her uncle, or is it like uncle, you know, like your best your, friend is Uncle Jimmy? Your perverted neighborhood friend who yeah. you call uncle to make it okay. Yeah, the neighborhood pedophile. Yeah. Um, I hope it was the first one now, you know? I hope it's. I hope it's, you know blood relation yeah but her dad was into cars and they were poor mm-hmm. so Boy, they spent no. a lot of time there mm. thus uncle franklin what was his name hank was hank it hank, hank. Yeah. yeah i hope they make more of these i hope they continue on this there's no way they're going to this so when i was looking up stuff for the fifth facts yeah this one so the fifth one lost money and paramount was very upset about it but they kind of were like they didn't say a lot of stuff about how oh this lost money obviously yeah but with this movie they were very like positive on it and there's lots of articles and stuff written i guess when this first came out about how even though this made much less they viewed it this as an enormous success well, I mean, it did cost half as much. Yeah. So that makes sense. Where this basically it, made up for their loss. What did it make? Because like, uh, I know the budget. I already saw in the fun facts the budget's like around one fifteen or one hundred seven. Yeah. Million. And then the make on it. Let me, let me just scroll on down here. It made four hundred sixty-eight million. Yeah. So whereas the other one lost two hundred million, I think this one made close around three hundred yeah. profit for them. So they were like, it paid for the last one's loss and still made money. I just, I like this writer. I like this director. And I like the direction they took with it. You know, so it's like, hey, if they made more Transformers movies, I would watch them. Yeah. Which, based on the, some of the stuff I saw from Paramount, I think they will probably go but this route. I'm They'll just stick saying, with, on the, this. with the way the pandemic has affected the movie industry, yeah. I could see that just kind of killing any momentum this might have made and being like, but this is such a small budget compared to the bigger budgets of the right other movies and since there's so much of it that's cg there's a lot of it that could be done yeah could be being done right now when you can't film stuff as easily i hear you so there's that there is that i i like the comedy of this movie i enjoyed when the two decepticons come to earth there's like a dude at a gas station they've got a trailer fighting with his wife and he's like come on don't leave and she's like you tried to sleep with my sister and he was like unsuccessfully yeah. <laughs> and then go and it's like no not my car not my car that you know the meteor of the transformers coming in hits something else then the second one comes hits i don't know hits his car I was like this is great they come yeah. out they're all cool 
They were cool. They were already cars. What's that about? Didn't they need to scan something? Yeah, they Let's... scanned the cars that they oh, destroyed. I liked it. They shoot him. I thought it was an interesting choice. They goop people. Yeah. The Decepticons shoot a human. The human turns to goop. Which, like you said, I mean, this is going off of the car. This is trying to recreate the popularity, I think, of the cartoons. Yeah. Which makes sense, because you can't really be like, we're rebooting the franchise of the, we're the Bayham that was the franchise. Yeah. And we're going to make more action movies. It's like, well... People are just going to assume it's the same and not go, so it doesn't matter if they're good or not. Mm-hmm. But the people who were like little kids watching this cartoon on Saturdays are now like have kids old enough to take to see a relatively intense movie. Yeah. So we should cater to them. But you also don't want to spray blood everywhere. Yeah. So you goop them. You goop them. And they, boop, and they just do a little bleep, 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 bleep. That's yeah. what they do. That's the sound I would think. They're... Okay. We have something to talk about. Oh. So, these Transformers, right. these Decepticons, they come out, there's a little confrontation where they're like, hey, you guys better chill because we'll shoot you. And, uh... They have a hundred guns. John Cena is there. Yeah. He's got a scratch on his face from the previous altercation with B earlier in the movie. A scratch. Yes. Did... You didn't freak out when this happened. And I... Did you notice... Who he's with. John Cena has someone with him. A young ward. Who was that? Batman. What? His like sidekick young dude is Simmons. He calls him Simmons. Who is oh, Simmons? Yeah. John Turturro. That's one of the other this that's one of the, the Easter eggs. Wait, so was it John Turturro? It wasn't John Turturro, oh, okay. but he it was his character. Simmons. It was Simmons. Like they did an Easter egg, like, yeah, this is Sector 7. That's Simmons. Who later becomes John Turturro? Okay. Did that does that not blow your mind? Wasn't that I, the funnest little Easter egg which I never got when I first watched the movie? And I've seen all of them, and I was like, "That's John Turturro." Yeah, come on, Did, doesn't that? It does. I remember because I do remember going to take a note and then stopping because they were started with their little back and forth, and I got distracted back into the. Uh, this is the thing. The highest praise I can give to this movie is that I was a hundred percent watching it the entire movie mm-hmm. right like i was watching the movie yeah whereas the other ones there's a lot of playing on the phone yeah sure it's like well this is going to be filler for the next 45 minutes so mm-hmm. i'm gonna vaguely pay attention to it yeah and i don't I mean, nothing got missed yeah. <laughs> whereas this you. movie i was like if i look down to take a note I i'm gonna you. miss something yeah i thought the military's interaction was interesting right they're like hey let's let a, let's let these decepticons use our satellites so then we can get advantage of their tech and they'll take out bumblebee or whatever because they say he's a you know criminal which i get i mean he is a war criminal right if the decepticons are you know the incumbents then the autobots are a resistance anyway here's what i'm saying i really liked that he's like should we trust these guys they literally call themselves a decepticon which (laughs) which shout out to the writer for putting that in there right like that yes someone's like they're called decepticons oh yeah oh yeah dis like like the word deception and cons <laughs> like a con artist i i mean i, I thought i was gonna be able to address it and it was even still well written because like well what they're just gonna shoot us all and take our stuff anyway we might as well voluntarily give them access and glean what knowledge we can from their tech yeah Which i thought was i mean it's a pretty well written movie 
especially I think compared to the previous five where some of the plots in those get so, you know, it's like there's a seed and the seed is a bomb. we got to get it to the biggest city. What is the biggest city? We don't need to say, but it's a bomb and it didn't go off. I don't know why it didn't, but we saved it. We saved the day. Let's move on. You know, I thought there was much less of that. Like you got to get the piece to get the piece to get this and this all ties back. They, we were here a million years ago and don't worry, we encased ourselves around it. So it's not dangerous, but we got have to find it because if we use it, then we'll resurrect Optimus Prime and Optimus Prime, you know, there was much less of that and it yeah. seemed much more straightforward and I appreciated that. Yeah. I think this is the way to start it and you can get more complicated, but I like that it was, it was the simplest plot for Transformers movie, easiest to follow and made the most sense. Yeah. Okay. So Haley Steinfeld gets B, the Beetle, who is Bumblebee, takes him back to the garage and then he activates because that's how they do like you talk to you know Bumblebee gets he's all tall and then he's all scared he's in the corner I don't know, I I thought this was a great showcase of Bumblebee because I feel like the first Transformers is like Bumblebee all the way it's Bumblebee it's Shia LaBeouf they've got a bond it's great Bumblebee's fun yeah and then the rest of the movies are like Optimus Prime is all we really care about Bumblebee has to be here and he is you know so I yeah. feel like it was a great chance to really showcase Bumblebee and make him like the centerpiece Transformer. Which I think in the like the old shows and stuff, it's always Bumblebee is the link between the Transformers and the kids. Yeah. He's always the one that's like he's with he's with the child and Optimus is there because B went to go to him. Mm-hmm. So it's like everything kind of centers on him. Right. He's the he's the pin that everything the Lynch pin. Lynch pin. The Lynch pin. There you go. So what? She starts playing some music for him, putting music in his boombox. Mm-hmm. She put a new stereo in him. Yeah. I don't know why I call the boombox. It's a stereo. And uh, puts in the Smiths. It's girlfriend in a coma. I mean, and he spits it right out. He's like, not a Smiths fan. I get it. Here's the thing. Girlfriend in a coma is probably the best song to like explain what the Smiths are. It's great 80s music with like killer bass and it's fun and we love it and the lyrics are absolutely like over the top melodramatic depressing yeah and i love it it's so it's like the most dramatic thing put it into words and put it to some cool music and i find it so funny because it's so over the top but also so wonderful the song girlfriend is a coma is about a man Whose girlfriend is in a coma is great. It's so good. I think he wants to break up with her maybe, but she's in a coma so he can't. It's wonderful. Yeah. Ugh. We've all been there. Oh, the Smiths. Oh, Morrissey, you know? Yeah. You gotta love it. Uh, yeah. It's a masterpiece of a song, is it not? How could you not love it? Here's the thing, Cody. I don't know if I've ever listened to the Smiths. Here's the thing. Mm Mm-hmm. The Transformers movies got me on their music of Linkin Park and others that sound exactly like Linkin Park. All right? Right. Uh, and then you're like, The Smiths, others 80s, other 80s bands. And I'm like, and I'm out. And you've uh, lost me. But I was all in. That made me yeah. go all in. Exactly. All right. Here's the thing. We can't base the Transformers reboot on Linkin Park. It's going to go. That, that goes the, follows the route of Bayhem. And we're trying to separate ourselves from the Bayham to do a new direction. Yeah, it's also difficult because the lead singer of Linkin Park 
no longer with us, Cody. Well, that's one way now to look at it. you're a bad person. <laughs> okay, you're telling me Watson couldn't like rewrite some Linkin Park lyrics. You're telling me that we couldn't use computers to sample all the... If we took an artificial intelligence and we put in all the speaking and singing samples we have from Linkin Park, you're telling me we couldn't make a new Linkin Park song? I'm sorry, but if I've got a $200 million budget, I could do that easily. But wouldn't you rather do it with the Smiths? Yeah, I knew you would. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Morrissey. What a gem. They literally say the word, what's your damage, Tina? You know, it's it's just, it's a good movie. Okay? Can, can I just pause this for a second to recognize the fact that Boog, your cat, has jumped upon your lap? Yeah. He, he uh, has blessed you with his presence. He's becoming needier and needier with every passing day. Is he pregnant? We have bond. <laughs> Please, I think I would know. Yeah? We haven't sired him out, is what I'm saying. Um, you know, he needs attention and love. He just doesn't always feel comfortable asking for it. Yeah. And now that I work from home and I'm here every day, he's becoming way too comfortable asking for it. <laughs> Yeah. He's on my lap right now, which would never have happened a year ago. Never. It's not even a flat surface. If you're laying down, like belly up, he'll get on your chest. And now he's at the point where like my I have a leg crossed under my other leg. It's not the best, not an ideal surface for him, but he's still here. Yeah. I mean, I have heard from multiple sources that he does sometimes sleep on top of you at night. <laughs> he has done it, I guess, once. Yeah. I don't know how. And uh, you're the one he'll go to to wake up because you're a pushover for Boog. I'm a pushover. The thing is, I wake up so much in the night lately and to go to the bathroom and eat snacks <laughs> that uh, he's, he's usually following me out to get pets at the same yeah. time. Yeah. And it's exhausting. It could be. But what if it? But what if Boog was Bumblebee and it was a giant car robot following you for pets? Well, I couldn't say no. Could I? Man, you couldn't. The thing is, when you when you pet an animal, people don't know this. It actually releases endorphins. Oh, endorphins! Yeah, I've heard okay. of these. Tab is in this movie because it's the '80s. You gotta have Tab. Tab. Tab is here. Did you know Tab's being discontinued? What? Yeah, Coca Cola is discontinuing a large portfolio of like their smaller regional brands. They still make Tab. It's not made a lot of places, but you can get it. Yeah. Not soon. It will not be so. They're getting rid of Tab. What about Beverly? It was funny because in the announcement I read, they were like, we're getting rid of Tab. Also, other drinks that no one's heard of. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Beverly? What's Beverly? It's a drink from Germany or something. Uh, it's terrible. It's, uh, it's basically soda water with uh, terrible in it. But at the World of Coke in Atlanta, Georgia, you can't taste it. Ooh. And I tasted it, and a man standing also at the thing... The, where you can get it because it's just a big there's a big room at the end that's got like pillars that have the name of countries and around the pillar is a bunch of soda fountain things yeah of sodas that they sell in those countries yeah and uh he's like tastes like kerosene and i said it and another man luckily said it much louder to where everybody could hear it say how do you know what kerosene tastes like yeah to which the guys replied don't question my stuff right now. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's fair enough. Here's the thing. If when I was a teenager, you told me there's Coca-Cola world and you could go and try a billion flavors of Coca-Cola, I wouldn't be interested. 
at my age now, I'm 100% interested. Yeah. And I feel like it should be reversed. Yeah. Like normally it's like when you're a kid, you're like, soda world, I want to go. There's no limit to how much soda you can. I want to go now. Yeah, you do. It's like. You also get a free little collector's thing of Coca-Cola. Can we take still a field trip to Coca-Cola World? Yeah, we can go there. We can go to their aquarium and see the whale shark. It's very big. Wow, how big? So big. Um, do they have any... As a backup plan, do they have, like, I don't know, a Humvee f- equipped with a giant harpoon on the top in case the whale shark gets out of hand? They have four of them. Is John Cena in command of them? Uh, not anymore. He had to take off to film this film. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. Girlfriend in a coma... Yeah. It's not played once, it's played twice. Because later on, you know, Bumblebee's learning the radio thing, how to speak with the radio. He plays the song, even though he didn't like the song, he plays it again. The line is, I wouldn't want anything to happen to her. You know, saying, hey, I want, you know, I'm here to protect you. Yeah. So they're dating now. In the context of Girlfriend in a Coma, I think Bumblebee, like has bonded to charlie as a romantic partner soul bonded you might say are you suggesting they're a dyad yes so how do you feel about that i mean i feel like bumblebee really should probably find someone his own age which could be uh four or 800 Mm -hmm. and we're not really clear on uh, how old he is other than he is younger than optimus Probably, he may just be less mature than Optimus. Until they come out, until they come out with a 50 Shades of Grey style Transformers movie explaining the ins and out of Transformer intimacy, like, I will not be satisfied. I want want to know. How does it work? All right? Yeah, they're very all over the place, you know? On one hand, they're saying they're made. On the other hand... Uh, Optim- or Megatron's crushing hatchlings into this bare hand. Yeah, yeah. I do, I, I do want to know. But story. I think even Michael Bay would rather we all just forget that the second Transformers movie happened. I won't. I will not. Okay? Because that would re- involve forgetting Mud's flap, Mud Flap and Skids. And skids. We'll never do that. We never will. Never will. Never abandon those little monsters. <laughs> uh, fun fact. Yes. Remember how I told you about the movie, it's Mark Wahlberg's famous movie, P.T. Anderson, the one where he's Dirk Diggler? Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Remember how he performed The Touch in yeah. Boogie Nights? Yeah. And how it, you know, it was from a previous Transformers movie, blah, 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 whole story. Did you notice they played it in this movie? Yeah. It was in this movie, full circle. Yeah. They play it. That's what the Transformers franchise is about, Cody. Bringing things around full circle? No, the touch. Uh, Bumblebee is really and truly a prequel to Boogie Nights. <gasps> and then Transformers 4 is a sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making Phantom Thread... Uh, the thread that links them all together? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that one. How's Phantom Thread linked? To- Same director as Boogie Nights. You th- what? You thought Phantom Thread was uh, was directed by the not the same guy who did Boogie Nights? It was. Tyler, what's your favorite P.T. Anderson movie? Correct. Is that, Punch Drunk Love. That is the best P.T. Anderson Paul, movie. Paul, right? Paul Anderson? Paul Thomas Anderson. My favorite Paul Anderson movie has got to be 
Probably the third Resident Evil movie. Stop. No, he did here. No, wait, but there's a director called Paul Anderson who does the Resident Evil movies. Yeah. The director of the Resident the Evil I... films is named Paul Anderson. His name is... Here's the thing. Paul Anderson mm-hmm. can put Paul Anderson as director. Paul Anderson, director of the Resident Evil movies, has to put Paul W.S. Anderson. Oh, he has God. to put his initials in the middle. Uh, but they do get confused a lot. A lot of people have been, uh, have tricked themselves into no. watching those movies, thinking they're going to get the director of Phantom Thread or Boogie Nights or Punch Drunk Love, oh, and they yeah. get Resident Evil. Ugh. That's like, I, I always get Paul Thomas Anderson confused with Wes Anderson, but it's because Wes Anderson was born in Texas, and I always assumed that he was not from the United States. But I don't know where P.T. Anderson is from. It says here he was born in 1970. On Cybertron. Okay, okay, okay. His father hosted a late night horror show in Cleveland. So I think, I think he's from the United States. All right. Okay. Oh, it's a confusing note. I see it. I see it well, in your face. It, it doesn't matter because we already talked about it. Oh. Shortest Transformer movie. Yeah. It does help it. I do think like... Hour 45 to two hours is the sweet spot for a movie like this. I mean, I think two yeah. hours is the sweet spot. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The original... I mean, it depends on how engrossed you are in the story. Like, if you're in it, then... Because, like, Blade Runner, that's almost three hours, isn't it? 2049? Yeah. Yeah. And that movie ended, and I was like, that, that was a short movie. And then I was like, oh, it's almost three hours long. Yeah, yeah. But if you had asked me after we finished watching it how long was it, I would have said an hour and a half. Yeah. I mean, versus Cloud is, Atlas. In the hands of a different director, that could have been a 90 minute movie. But do you want it to be? No. Originally, it was a four hour movie. And I want that. Uh, I but want the director this. said they're not gonna, they wouldn't release that cut of the movie. Yeah. Who does he think he is? Zack Snyder? I would watch a four hour cut of that Blade Runner movie. I yeah. would. I think most people would. But I think, I don't know. It just, you know, when you, when you do Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, which is in such controversy, where it's like. Yeah. The theatrical version sucked and no one watches it because it was dumb and bad. That's the one with the voiceover all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. And then everyone loves the final cut or one, you know, one of the other cuts where it's like, yeah, they took out that stuff and made it more like what the original vision of it was. People like yeah. it. Because there's four different cuts of that movie, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, there's a... Yeah. I know there's the theatrical and the final cut. And, and I know direct- there's at least one or two more. Well, so there's the final cut and then there's the director's cut. And then there's like at least one more. Did you notice? Here's yeah. a movie that we have reviewed, but the audio is so bad we haven't released it. Remember the movie Castle of Cagliostro? Yes. The OG Hayao Miyazaki movie? Yeah. There's a little homage to that movie in this one. Oh? Remember when Bumblebee is driving away from the cop? He goes down the rails and rides along the side? Yeah. That's like almost a shot for shot. For the scene where they did that in Castle of Cagliostro. But he had to reach around. He had to reach out from under and grab the side to keep falling off. Uh-huh. And Lupin and or Fox. Yeah. He couldn't do that. Yeah, but uh, whatever. You know, it's similar. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is the conspiracy. That oh. I think. Conspiracy? Look. Yes? Please? We all know that Joel and Ethan Cohen. Oh. Are two of my favorite directors. Yes. What you may not have realized is that 
actors they have used on multiple occasions also fall into the Transformers universe. Yes. Haley Steinfeld from True Grit. John Turturro from Barton Fink plays Simmons. Francis McDormand, who is in Fargo and uh, uh, most of the other ones. Steve Buscemi, who's also in Fargo, does a voice. John Goodman, who's in most of their movies, does a voice. And John Malkovich, who I don't... Oh, he's in uh, Burn After Reading. I was trying to figure out which one he's in. Yeah. What is that? Is there... Are these universes being linked? Yes. What is that about? Do you think... Is there going to be a collaboration where the Coen brothers write a script and Michael Bay directs it? I can tell you it would not go well, but I kind of want it to happen. Yeah. Or do... Wait, so you say Michael Bay writes the script? Oh, heavens no. Who Let's writes the script? Let's not do that. The who, Coen brothers write the script. And Michael Bay directs. Michael Bay directs. But what if Michael Bay wrote the script and the Coen brothers directed? That would be the most interesting movie. Like, if you didn't know that going into the movie, it would be a totally different experience. As soon as you know that, it becomes the most interesting movie to watch. Yeah. That's what I want to see. That's a collab. Here's what I want to see. And here's, here's, how you, here's who you get to do the soundtrack. Travis Scott. Exactly. Right? It's obvious. Can I can I add another layer to it though? I would I would love that. Here's what I want. I want Michael Bay write writes the script. Okay. Coen Brothers direct it. Yes. Um Wes Anderson edits it. Oh. What? Which I think would kill Wes Anderson. Yeah, I think so. I think he would throw out ninety percent of the filmed stuff. Can you imagine Wes Anderson like editing a movie that he himself didn't like block and shoot? It That's would, what I'm saying. It, it would be nuts. Oh, it would kill him. You're right. Because he puts so much thought into everything that's on screen. <laughs> wow. You know, I don't know. We'll I think get, we'll, I think you you look you spread some hate about this, movie, and I think you're wrong. This is a good movie. This has my favorite action of all the Transformers movies, and maybe just because it's so much more like one v one kind of things. Yeah. But I thought there were some really. It was more like. More like a, a kung fu movie where the robots are fighting close quarters versus like the city's on fire and we all have to run around and blow things up, you know? And yeah. so I was I felt like I was able to appreciate the Transformers more. It was I liked it. What'd you think of the awkward kid? Was it good for you or bad for you? I liked him. I feel like it's one of those things you're like you're fifty fifty. You know, some people are like, I get what they're doing and I love it. I don't get it, I don't like it, you know? I like him. I think he is Bernie Mac from the first Transformers. Ah, yes. I'm into that. I'm ready. I, I kind of like that there's like a hint of maybe, oh, he's obviously interested in her, but I don't think she really sees it that way. And then at the end of the movie, he like goes to grab her hand. She's like, uh, not, not quite there yet. And I don't know. It, it was fun. I, I like that it wasn't just, about, you know, because I think it was such like a formula for almost all the Transformers movies. You're like, hey, we've got the relationship thing. We got the hot girl. We got the guy. We got yeah. Shane. He drives, you know? Yeah. I kind of like that they took a little step back from that and set their sights elsewhere, you know? Yeah. Felt less like, here's the Transformer formula and more like, hey, let's let's see if we can make this Transformers thing. Yeah, which I mean, like, even there at the end where you think like, oh, they're gonna, they're in love now. And she's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Okay. So, have I convinced you that this is a great movie? I mean, I th- I liked the movie. I just I don't think that it's like oh, this is the rest of those movies are like sci-fi channel original bull movies. Yeah. And this is a blockbuster film. I think this is a good movie that shows the potential. Like 
this I think is a, the best version that Transformers can be. I don't think you can make a better Transformers movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think by their nature... You didn't break the mold and make something incredible, but you did fulfill the potential of a Transformers movie. Yeah. I get you. I mean, I think by contrast, the contrast of this movie versus the other Transformers movie makes it look great. Yeah. As a standalone movie, it's solid, good, enjoyable. Yeah. It's not something otherworldly. It's not something that is greater than that. But I mean, I still, I still really liked it. And I, I enjoyed watching it a second time. I would probably enjoy... There's enough, you know... There's enough comedy and physical comedy, but also like some good fun writing that I think it really it really does stand well. And you know, I, I would watch it again, and I would recommend people to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I would enjoy watching this one again. I can't say that for most of the other ones. Yeah, but like, yeah, of course, it's hard too because so often when I think back to the Transformers movies, I only remember the parts that I like about them, and then once I start really thinking about it, and I start remembering all the things that were bad about him yeah i slowly start to just hate michael bay yeah ah <laughs> uh. but they are they're not they're like you can convince yourself they're worse than they are and convince yourself they're better than they are yeah they're really just too much mm-hmm. they're 60 percent too much stuff going on yeah whereas this cut out it's like you know 55 percent of it's too like much. when someone it's like when someone's like, hey, I got this awesome burger for you. And it's like way too big. Yeah. And you go to, you're like, I can't bite it. Then you do bite it. Then everything's like spilling out of it. Yeah. You're like, you, when you presented the burger to me, I was excited about it. And halfway through the burger, it was like, this is just a mess now and I can't enjoy it. Yeah. But then you look back and like, oh, it tasted good. But uh, look at the, you know, the mess. Yeah. It's a good movie and we need to support Haley Steinfeld, so she can make it through the mid-career hump of being a child actor to becoming an actor that does people that aren't in high school. You know, we need to do it. We yeah. need to hold hands and support her. You know. Yeah. Here's the thing: your wife hates her, so we can't support her. And it was so baffling. She's like, she as soon as she was in True Grit, I was like, wasn't she really good in that? And like, she was pretty good in it. I was like, so I don't understand why. Here's or is thing. it just like I you, can't, <laughs> you can't see it and not think of True Grip? But I think she was so young when she did that. Granted, it's been a long time since I've seen the Coen Brothers True Grit. I don't associate her with True Grit anymore. Yeah. But when I think on True Grit, I'm like, oh yeah, she was in that. But I thought she was great in it. And didn't she get nominated for an Academy Award? I don't remember anything about that movie. I just thought everyone was mad because they're like, they didn't get John Wayne to do it. I thought Jeff... Goldblum. That's what I thought. <laughs> Take it. Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges was wonderful. I don't know. It's one of those things like, as soon as you remake something, people that love the original are going to hate the new one. I'd never seen the original. I thought True Grit was great. Yeah. Was, I remember, my dad is a huge Westerns fan, Western movie fan. Yeah. And so we watched the True Grit when it first came out. And I think he thought it was pretty good. I think, if I remember right, he thought it was all right. He didn't like that they changed some of the stuff. Yeah. Like, it's a little bit different, and he didn't like the change. Yeah. But so I was like, oh, so do you, would you, like, prefer the... And I think his stance on it was, the old one's not good. He just likes that one. Yeah. But it's not a good movie. Yeah. That's his stance on a lot of those movies. Yeah. He's like, they're bad movies. Yeah. And that, that, I, maybe that's my problem with old westerns. It's such, like, a genre thing. Where it's like, 
Yeah. You know, people who are fans of horror movies love horror movies, even though only 10% of them are good. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of thing with the old Westerns. Like, there are some amazing old Westerns, and there are so many that are just, like, cheesy and bad, but it's like, you like that genre. Just like, you might like Transformers movies. And it's like, I, yeah, Michael Bay made some bad Transformers movies, but I still like them, you know? Yeah. Here's the thing. True Grit, 2010, was nominated for 10 Oscars. Yeah. Jeff Bridges and Haley Steinfeld were nominated for Oscars. True Grit, snubbed. back in 69, <laughs> nice, did win an Oscar for John Wayne huh? and was nominated for music and has a higher meta score than the new one. Here's the thing. But the new one has eight more award nominations, right? Yeah. What's that about? John Wayne, right? Yeah. Is a bad actor. Yeah, but he is John Wayne. That's like saying Elvis is a bad actor. You're not hiring Elvis to act. You're hiring Elvis to be Elvis in the movie. Yeah, but John Wayne is an actor. But, okay, let me give you the classic argument. But have you seen The Quiet Man? A Quiet Man. No. That's the one where it's not a Western, and people are like, he's not bad in that. Here's the thing, that he in every movie he's in, it's like seeing uh, Clint Eastwood in a movie, which it's just casting him in there to give him an excuse to be racist and mean to everyone around him i mean and i mean that's what they were because he's saying there's a reason that clint eastwood only casts himself in his own movies that he writes and directs yes Hmm. i think clint eastwood is just an old mean person and that gives him the excuse to be old and mean and when he's not playing in a movie he has to at least kind of be civil because i don't hear that's the thing you don't hear about him being a bad person outside the movies right he just plays bad people so yeah. you could argue maybe he does that so he doesn't like make other people look bad. But then you get people who are bad people, and I don't know anyone. Maybe Haley Steinfeld's a bad person outside movies. But she plays such little sweeties that are always depressed and mean. Yeah. And bad people. It's hard to be a famous person. It's hard to be nominated for an Oscar at that age. And I just want her to make it through it. I want her to break the mold and be the one that did it. You know? Boog is back on my lap. Boo. Boog. What do you think? It's great input. Well said. Yeah. Well put. I think, I think that's a note we can end on. Yeah. I was except that we can all agree that we need to be watching more Coen Brothers movies, right? And Paul Anderson movies. Oh, Pete. <laughs> no, I don't think we should be doing Paul Anderson movies nor P.T. Anderson movies because I've seen a lot of P.T. Anderson movies. I almost always regret it. But like, <laughs> is it just a rite of passage? It's the same as Scorsese films. Almost every Scorsese film I've seen, I've regretted. And I'm just like, I didn't like that. But you have to see it. You can't not see it. It's the rules. You have to watch it. And you have to be like, can't badmouth it because everyone likes it. What I just watched? What's the one I just watched? Irishman? I did watch. There's one I watched more recently. It's it's like a 70s one. Scorsese. Mean Streets. Mean Streets. The problem with the Scorsese, you end the Scorsese movie and you're like, didn't like that. Didn't like the ending. Didn't like the characters. Was not enjoyable for me. I can't say it was like a poorly made movie. I just, it seems so futile. You get out of it and you're like, didn't want it. Yeah. Versus Bumblebee where it ends and you're like, that was great. And I'm happy. And then, but you can't, but you can't be happy for long because you know, you know, it didn't get nearly as many views as Transformers 2 or 4. And you know that... But it made more money than five. Yeah, you're right. I like this one. It's a goodie. 
I'd recommend this one. I'd rec this one, you know, just toss it to anybody. Just throw it out there. Just, you know? You got a pack of people fighting over the scraps in the courtyard. Just throw it out to them. So yeah. here you go. Can't complain about it. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. You can rate, share, engage. Get engaged. It's called opinion. <laughs> they didn't get engaged. Opinion havers. You can also tweet me at opinion havers and uh, I'll fight you about it. Okay? Come at me. So Let's aggressive. talk Cohen Brothers. Let's talk old True Grit versus new True Grit. Let's do it. What's your favorite Paul Anderson movie? <laughs> I haven't seen any. I've only seen P.T. Anderson movies. Don't fall into your word traps. I'm pretty sure there are three Paul Andersons. Who's the third one? I don't remember. Tweet at Opinion Havers. And tell me about it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And until next time, watch movies. And have opinions. Bye, boo. You like how we went the whole hour and a half long? We never mentioned our new microphones? We have new microphones. Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. Cody, I'm gonna we're, I'm gonna need to cut you off before you go down this road. He directed road. Mortal Kombat. That's my favorite movie by him. <laughs> 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 oh. uh.